Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. On today's podcast, I speak with Andy Ramage from One Year No Beer. Myself and Andy will be talking about the benefits of going alcohol free, why it's so good for you, how Andy created a business seven times that of his previous brokerage that he worked for by going alcohol free and focusing on that area. And he also discusses the history and the idea behind One Year No Beer, how it evolved over time. So let's get started. Welcome, Andy, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to give our listeners a little bit about your background? Yeah, so my background really quickly. So I started out as a professional footballer. I ended up playing professional football in Ireland, Sligo Rovers, when I was 20. Derry City, Drogheda, was a bit of a journeyman footballer. Got injured, unfortunately, when I was 21, 22. Lasted another couple of years. Travelled around the world with my wife, who's Irish, who's from Nace. Um, and then ended back up in the city of London as a broker. The sort of guys in the bright jacket screaming and shouting at one another. Um, fast paced, high energy, uh, high stress, high reward type of atmosphere. And as part of that process, fast forward 10 years, when I sort of reached that place where I technically, you know, by conventional, uh, the yardstick of monetary and uh, success, I sort of made it. I got to that nice place where you think happiness is waiting for me. You know, bliss is there at the car, the cash in the bank, lovely wife, the kids. And I was sort of a bit, I was a bit of a five out of 10, which made no sense to me. So it sort of sent me on, I guess, a, a bit of a well-being adventure to try and sort of rediscover that energy and that health. I'd put on lots of weight at this stage. I was freestone heavier than I am now. I was unfit, unhealthy, stressed out, maxed out. We'll get all to this uh, as we dive into the podcast. Um, and then one of the things that I looked at, which was the last thing, by the way, the last thing I ever questioned was my relationship with alcohol. And it was in overcoming that that it was the catalyst to all the good things in my life. I lost a lot of weight, got super fit, grew a business seven times bigger than the previous business. My relationships got 10 times better and I was so inspired, I just wanted to share it. So I teamed up with another broker in the city of London called Ruri Fairbanes and we sort of put this thing out there as a challenge called One Year No Beer. And we haven't really looked back since and it's grown into this big thing now. We've helped over 100,000 people all over the world, many, many members um, in Ireland, and it continues to grow and get bigger and uh, gather momentum day by day. So it's a super exciting time for me. Oh, brilliant. And I just want to let listeners know, so how I kind of came across you, I was at a stage in my life and like people would know me as kind of party. My dad always used to say that every time I had a photograph taken of me, I had a drink in my hand. And, you know, that was sort of the persona that I built up, I suppose, over the years that I, I liked to party. I liked to drink. Sometimes I drank too much. Um, but I always felt I could handle it. I never kind of thought that I had a problem or anything like that. And I just felt that a few months ago, I, I was getting all these messages from various different places. So I read this wonderful book called Why We Sleep. And in it, he mentions that alcohol impacts on our ability to sleep and how important sleep is for optimal health and, you know, having regular bedtime, but also not drinking before you go to bed um, and kind of not drinking at all. And then I saw all these ads on Facebook for one year, no beer, all of the wonderful profiles that people were sharing and the, the journeys that they'd been on. And it was so inspiring because it wasn't for people who had necessarily a problem with alcohol. It was more for people like myself who enjoyed a drink in moderation and maybe sometimes drank a bit too much. And they were looking for an alternative lifestyle. So 
I felt I was getting these messages from a few different places and I made the decision. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm on day 89 now, so I'm really proud of myself. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I feel like I'm on this journey myself now and um, it's it's done wonders for me. So in the last few months, combined with healthier eating um, and things like that, I... I have lost actually 11 kilos, so I still have a little bit of weight to go, I feel, but I've lost 11 kilos in the last um, 11 or 12 weeks or so. So I'm really pleased about that. And I do put that a lot of that down to not drinking for the last while, because it's not just the drinking. It's the next day, the hangover, the poor decisions, the eating shite, basically, um, that you do the next day as well. And you kind of are like, well, I don't really care and it doesn't matter. And all these sabotaging thoughts that come in. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit about like, you know, how I came across the, the whole one year no beer movement, if you like. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting because you've hit on a couple of really important themes there. Same for myself. There was no like problem, quote unquote. Was I drinking too much? Yes. But so's the rest of the planet. Like every person I know and knew at the time was drinking too much. It's just what we do. You know, when you actually look at the real stats of what we should be drinking, which really is zero if we're truthful about it in terms of our health and well-being look at the science it's all there showing us um but in general everyone's just drinking too much it just become so culturally acceptable especially in ireland and in the uk to celebrate every birthday every commiseration every stressful event every day ending in why every lunch you know in in my business very much like a lunch thing um and then before you know it you get sucked into this this trap almost of drinking a bit too much for every occasion Yet there wasn't this horrific problem, was no rock bottom, any of that stuff. I just suspected, like yourself, it was holding me back. Um, And I still found it really difficult to stop that because it's so socially ingrained and socially pressured. The environment that I was in was a broker and part of my job role really was to entertain and entertain meant taking clients out and drinking with them, essentially. And I was good at it. You know, like yourself, you mentioned, I had some great times. I'm not going to deny any of that, you know, but there comes a point where actually... I felt it was holding me back and in overcoming it, as I mentioned in my quick sort of bio there, it was the one thing that led to all these other good things. And and you hit the nail on the head. What happens is you get consistent. And the reason, again, you're losing the weight and getting fit and all these wonderful things is not just because of the reduction in calories from alcohol, which is a lot, by the way, Mm -hmm. it's the fact that you're consistent in the way that you're eating. You're probably consistent in the way that you're exercising for the first time in a long time. You get these massive streaks of consistency that add to huge results in your career and your relationships and in your waistline, in your health. It's, it's absolutely, it's a game changer. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, I was getting consistent in everything that I was doing from the way that I ate, from the way that I exercised, to the way that I performed at work, in my relationships. And it's that consistency played out over time that leads to these huge, huge transformations. Brilliant. So um, do you want to give me a little bit about the, the history of One Year No Beer? Yeah, so One Year No Beer was mentioned after this personal transformation, which was, you know, to lose a lot of weight, grow a big business I found lots of time as well it's another really important thing I had time to go back part-time to study I did a degree I've just finished a master's degree in positive psychology and coaching psychology which will become a PhD which I'm super excited about and all of that happened right because I've got this alcohol-free superpowers back and this time this energy um to make time for myself before the kids were awake It's, it's a total game changer anyway in this transformation I was like I've got to share this there must be 
millions of people who are just like me caught in this trap this sort of middle lane of drinking too much but it's not escalating to a problem that's going to shake them at their core they're just stuck in this middle lane and so i thought let's get it out into the world let's share my story essentially so i put a little ebook out into the onto the tinternet uh, to see what would happen i didn't know anything about this luckily the co-founder ruri knew a bit more than me Fast forward a couple of weeks, it was downloaded 10,000 times. It'd gone all over the world. And people were resonating with this story of positivity, this story of you're not giving anything up. You're gaining all these massive advantages in your life. You're getting your time back, your mojo back, your energy back, no, your money back. And people were really resonating with that because prior to that point, and it was the same for me, all I'd ever heard was of sort of misery and giving something up and missing out. And I'm like, actually, what am I missing out on? lethargy tiredness can't be arsonist hangovers underperformance i'm missing out on nothing so it was that sort of story that was resonating with people and fast forward another two years we created various websites we created a community a tribe and it was all for free we were you know two well-paid city brokers it was always going to be for free we kept you know giving it away giving it away two years later we realized that free costs a fortune yeah. And we were hundreds of thousands of pounds in each to this um, to this tribe that we were trying to build. And we just went, we were maxed out, burnt out. We couldn't afford to like hire people to help us with it because we were burning so much cash. Um, and we were going to close it down, which was such a shame because we'd get letter after letter after email saying, look, this approach is making this huge transformation in my life. And we were a bit devastated in honesty, um, but we couldn't continue. So we literally turned the lights off for two weeks and by fluke, I'd created an online course with all the latest psychology tips and tricks and techniques and whatnot, which again was going to be for free, but there was an option to switch it to paid for. So I thought, look, last ditch attempt, I'm going to flick it to paid or close it down for two weeks and just forget about it. Go on holiday, recharge the batteries. We came back two weeks later to a little miracle. We'd sold five of these courses online and it was like, boom, the penny dropped. People would actually pay to get the latest and greatest psychology, to access this wonderful tribe, to understand how their brain works, so they could overcome this alcohol-free adventure and power up their life in the process. And then if we can actually turn this into a business that does good in the world, we can reach a lot of people because we can put this fire underneath it of a financial engine, hire people to help us to take the stress away and the overwhelm away and really help a lot of people. And we haven't really looked back since. Straight after that, Pam McMillan approached us about writing a book. We wrote our first book, The 28 Day Alcohol Free Challenge. Um, we've just taken on investment that's valued the business that does good in the world at 10 million pounds, right? And with that, everything just gets channeled in. We're bringing in big investors that want to reach a lot of people that have got huge contacts, whether it be on Facebook, Google, wonderful experience. We want to try and reach a million people in the next two to three years. That's our aim. That's our goal because... You know, with this engine of a business, it has to help people to succeed. So it's a win-win. The more people we help, the bigger the business. The bigger the business, the more people we help. The more investment, the more expertise we can attract into this. And we can really try and make a difference in this alcohol-free space. So it's a really exciting time for us. Yeah, no, it definitely is really exciting. Now, something that you mentioned I wanted to pick up on. You said that it was you were kind of a couple of years into the journey. You were still working full time and you were building this tribe on the side. How how did that translate? So you were saying like, you know, you would take out clients for boozy lunches and things like that. How did that translate into work? So 
you know, being alcohol free and and having that full time job, how how did that impact you? Yeah, it was huge because for me, when I decided, so it's about five and a half years now since I had a drink. You know, why would I? Is my mentality. Um, I was still at my old brokerage, so it was old big firm, established firm. You know, I'd been fortunate to be quite successful there. And when I decided that I was going to stop drinking, one of the people I admired in that business the most told me on no uncertain terms, if you stop drinking, your career will be finished. It will be over. Right. That is serious social pressure. But baked into that over the next period of the next six months, I actually left. I left that business to set up my own business against all the odds. Again, everyone said you can't do it. You won't be able to compete against these behemoth of companies that you've just left. You're setting up in a smaller shop, all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. You can't do it. I was like, I think I can. And in that period, as mentioned, I'd stopped drinking. So bearing in mind when I started that new business, not only did they say, you're going to struggle, you're going to fail, but drinking is not drinking is the worst thing you can possibly do. But fast forward four years, that business in half the time was seven times bigger than the previous business. And the reason it was seven times bigger was because I stopped drinking and I did something that no one else in the industry is doing. And the reason it made such a difference is because of that consistency. Like I built that business with a group of other people in the end as we hired more and more people on lunch times and Fridays. Because I knew all the competition at lunch times would be out socializing, are you boozing? And I knew on a Friday, it's like the whole office is decimated because they've all been out on a big one on a Thursday. So I knew if we could be on our A game over lunch and our A game on a Friday, we'd muscle our way into into this business. And that's exactly what we did. And that all happened because of the consistency that comes from going alcohol free, the energy, the mojo, the momentum. And like when you really think about it, anyone in any sort of salesy type job, when you have a couple of drinks, the next day there's that anxiety. There's that that sort of beer fear that just hangs around in the background that you just don't want to quite make that one extra phone call or go back in for that extra meeting because you're feeling a bit like you just want to hide away from the world. That is holding you back in a massive way. When you remove that, it's like you've got superpowers. Like yeah. You're banging the drum all day long. And that was the difference. So for me, in terms of my career, it was the greatest thing that I ever did, even though in that career they said it would destroy it. What a load of rubbish. Yeah, that's such it's such an interesting concept. So it's kind of the, the preconceptions of an entire industry, basically saying you need to be out boozing with your clients. You need to be. Um, you know, doing the having these big benders on a Thursday night. And then you capitalize on this wonderful opportunity of, okay, so I know that lunchtime and Fridays, their other companies are a total write-off. So I can go in and I can, you know, work with clients in a in a consistent way, in a way that's not, oh my God, I'm just to be hungover and I don't feel like making that extra phone call. So that's wonderful. Um, and I know certainly, you know, a lot of people will be able to relate to this, that when you go into work, you know, if you have a hangover in work, if you've been out on a Sunday night or on a, you know, on any of the school nights, you know, Thursday night especially, that was a big one for when I lived in London, people would tend to go out on a Thursday night. And then, like you say, you go in on a Friday morning. Do you want to make that extra phone call? Do you want to do that extra work for the client? And it, it makes, yeah, it makes life a little bit of a misery, I suppose. It does. And it's like when you just do the maths around it. And I know in Ireland, Sunday's a big night as well. So that's another school night effectively, right? Because that's the worst one because then you hit like Monday feeling awful. But if you actually do the maths around it, like each time you go out and have a few drinks, it takes you out 
for two or three days is the truth like there's the obvious stuff the day after the headache the nausea whatever it is but in reality and you touched on it right at the start it destroys the quality of your sleep look at the science behind sleep that is destroying your productivity that's going to hang around for two or three days if you drink twice a week you're never out of alcohol shadow you are consistently underperforming in everything you do whether that's at work that's at home you're consistently it's like i always say it's like kryptonite to your goals and your dreams it is it's just hanging around your new normal is at 60 percent or 50 percent when you remove it it is like getting superpowers it's like boom i'm operating at 80 90 percent all the time the difference is palpable people notice it it's tangible in your cells the amount of people that um have gone through the one you know be a challenge that will get onto me and say i've had my best quarter ever i've absolutely smashed it out of the park because they're consistent and something that i haven't mentioned outside of the working sphere is the most important thing is your relationships at home and your well-being and your mental health and all of these things so back to you know even my story there when things were going incredibly well in the office they're also going incredibly well out of the office and historically in my industry the broken industry you almost couldn't have the two it was like if you're going to be super successful you're going to be out all the time and your marriage is going to suffer your personal relationship is going to suffer that's just a trade-off what a load of rubbish like why should you ever trade your personal life for your job it's bullshit never do that and that was me that was a big motivator for me it was like no i'm going to go and do this well and i'm going to be home on time to see my wife i'm going to make sure i see all of the kids sports days theater shows i'm going to everything and no one's going to stop me because i know that i was consistent enough in the office that no one would ever challenge it because the performance was there Whereas all the people that are underperforming are like, well, I can't go and see the kids show because maybe they'll think I'm not good enough. But if you're smashing it out the park, it's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to see the kids show. No one's stopping me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a brilliant approach to take. And what you're talking about, it's, it's knowing that everyone has this choice. You have a choice to make about what you want to do. It's, it's your life. So you get to decide, but then having the courage to go after what you actually decide and then having the commitment and the consistency to follow that through as well. Like they'd be the kind of the three key points that, that I would pick up on there. Um, so thinking more about work, like how do employers educate people a little bit more about the, you know, it's not really the dangers because I think people know the dangers of alcohol, but the benefits of having a break or, or, you know, not, drinking consistently or not having a big bender on a Thursday night or something like what what kind of approach would you suggest for that yeah and I think it's very much in line with this this story this message it's this proactive message of look at all the benefits you're going to gain and make it a challenge that's why the whole one you know beer the name is slightly misleading because we do a 28 day challenge a 90 day challenge and a 365 day challenge but we do loads of stuff in the corporates now and actually because we can have a conversation that they can't and you, you touched on it there. If a corporate comes in and says, we want everyone to drink less, everyone's going to say, up yours, right? No one wants to be told what to do, especially around a subject like that. It's like, don't go there. Do not start nanny stating with us, right? But we can come in and just go, look, I'm going to tell you a story. This is what I did. These are the results that I got. I've got 100,000 people behind me. have got similar results in their careers, in their life. And how they did it, just a challenge. You don't have to, it's not about giving up forever. What it's about is taking a break with the right mindset and seeing the results for yourself. And if you do 28 days and 90 days like yourself and you leave, lose 11 kilos and you're smashing out the park and your sales go through the roof and your relationships are better, you're going to keep going, right? Why wouldn't you? And your relationship with alcohol is going to be transformed, but you'll only figure that out by taking a break. 
Yeah, you know, that's... this is the important bit. So it's just a challenge, right? So I go into corporates and go, right, tell my story and then go, right, let's just do a challenge. Who wants to come with me on a 28 or 90 day alcohol free challenge? That's all it is. And then the results speak for themselves. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And that's that's such an interesting way to look at it. And I, I hadn't really made that relationship before, I suppose. You know, people are saying to me lately, wow, like you're appearing everywhere. What's going on? Like you're you're doing something really well. And I, just now that you're talking, I'm like, is that because I haven't been drinking? Is that because I have more time? Is that because I have more, you know, a clear head to to um, speak to people and to deal with my clients and that I actually care and I can be a bit more, like you say, consistent um, around what it is I do and how I approach it. And it's only really now because I was like, oh, and I'm healthier and I'm, I'm running consistently. So that's great. And I'm getting regular exercise outside of running as well. I'm eating more healthily. I'm making better choices. I'm making better decisions. But when it comes to my business, yeah, God, I hadn't really realized that that could be that big impact that that going alcohol free has had. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I think what I always try and do is, is take the long-term approach. Like when you compound all these little wins over time, they're huge. You know, mm-hmm. you look at uh, David Brailsford, who's a bit of a hero of mine. He's behind Team GB, uh, uh, Team Sky, Tour de France winners, has this ethos of marginal gains, 1% improvements. And like when yes. you take a break from alcohol, it gives you a massive improvement instantly, but then it gives you all these little small improvements. Again, that one extra phone call that makes a difference, that one extra work meeting that makes a difference, that one extra thank you to someone that makes a difference. And when you compound that over time, the months, the years, it is gigantic in terms of improvements in performance, but then flip it the other way, when you're drinking and you compound those negatives, it's massive in terms of the negative influence on your performance in life and in the office. It's just huge. Yeah, that's so interesting. I've just finished reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. And exactly what you're saying there is what he talks about. It's these little things, um, you know, and they they compound, they compound, they compound. If you can make a 1% difference in one day over the course of an entire year, that becomes 37 times better than when you started. So and then likewise, you know, if you compound the the negative things and if you decrease your performance by 1% over the course of a year, you get down to, I think, 00 three percent of what you were doing originally yeah um so yeah i mean the compound effect of all of these little changes that we make are you know it's pretty self-evident i suppose i tend to take the approach or i have done in the past where i take make these giant leaps and that's what's really worked for me in the past i've done you know i did a a massive trip uh, traveling around southeast asia uh, for six months i traveled around south america for six months uh, as part of a one-year trip as well and I that's the approach I tend to take but just in the last few months I'm seeing the huge benefits of making little changes and like you say the little changes that you make lead into these other little changes in your life as well and that's then that kind of has the compounding effect of all of the the different changes that you're making so that's really interesting um I suppose flipping it back to the individuals then so you have the kind of the the corporates but as an individual it's up to me to make my own decision around what I want to do so uh, can you talk to me a little bit more about that yeah so it's a similar thing again I mean I I always encourage people there's never a perfect time to do this challenge either by the way you're always going to look at it and go I've got the wedding I've got the 40th I've got the holiday 
there's always something in the diary. But the way I approach it is this. Those big events are the reason to start this alcohol-free adventure. They're like your marathon. You know, all the techniques and tips and tricks and all the stuff that you're going to learn is in preparation to overcome the wedding, the work do, the 40th. Because when you come out the other side of those things, alcohol-free, and you prove to yourself that you can still have a laugh, you can still socialize, you can still celebrate, it's a total game changer. And the momentum, the confidence that comes from that is absolutely huge. And one thing I just want to talk about quickly is the whole boring thing. Right, we might as well address that. We might as well go after it because it sits in the background. It's the drinker's last stand is to say, oh, but you're so boring. Don't be boring. All that social pressure, right? We've all been there. We've all experienced it. But it is the last stand because there's nothing else that they can say because there are no other upsides. There's this perceived upside that you'll be boring if you stop drinking. But actually flip it on its head. Think about it. Like what is boring? Boring is waking up when you can barely move and you're so hungover or you're jaded or you're a bit tired and you can't be asked and you're a bit anxious. But what's exciting? Having your energy, your vitality to do stuff, to get out there, to still socialize. Like I'm, I'm all about socializing. Alcohol-free alternatives are everywhere now. They're brilliantly stocked in Ireland. I was over there recently. Heineken Zero Zero is absolutely everywhere. You've got the placebo. You can still enjoy yourself. You can still be super social. Go to the pubs. The pubs in Ireland are the best in the world bar none right it's a community it's a place to go together go to the pubs have the crack have the banter just do it alcohol free and keep your consistency the next day and find even more fun out of the day after when you can go and meet friends or be active and all that stuff and when you compound that together that's way more fun than drinking ever is so i think i just want to remove that excuse from the equation as well because it's an important one to tackle i think absolutely so there's a couple of things that you mentioned there that I wanted to pick up on the never a perfect time. So um, when I started my weight loss journey, it was around the time that I was thinking of alcohol free. Now, I've carried extra weight for a lot of years and I, in the past, I've I've lost kind of two stone or three stone at a time, but it's always crept back on. I've always had um, let's say like a problem. I've always had that that problem of being a little bit overweight Um and when I started that weight loss, I wasn't ready. I genuinely, I was like, I'm not ready to do this. But I, I signed up to an online course and I just did it. And I definitely did not feel ready at all. And I wasn't thinking at the time, I'm definitely going to stop drinking. But I did stop drinking and that kind of had an impact as well. Um, the whole idea of boring and you mentioned about social pressure as well. So I went out, this would have been only maybe a few weeks in of not drinking and met up with some friends. So it was a 40th birthday and I drove out and, you know, had a good time. And so, some friends commented about how well that I looked and I thought, oh, oh, you know, thanks. And like, what's your secret? I said, well, you know, I'm not drinking at the moment. And they sort of looked at me and they were like, oh, like, does that mean that if I want to lose weight and look well, that I need to stop drinking as well? And it's like, not necessarily, but, you know, this is what it's done for me. Um, but the whole idea then of the social pressure, I'll go on, you'll have a drink. Why aren't you drinking? You know, there, there was genuinely that whole thing for me as well. It was like, you know, that's so weird that you're not drinking. Why aren't you drinking? Yeah. Um, and social pressure is, you know, we run a survey of over 2000 people and the, the, the results were staggering. 97 percent, basically everyone, you know, when do you see results like that? Basically, everyone said the number one reason for them not taking a break more often is social pressure. Like 85% of them felt pressured 
within their working environment to drink. I mean, it's absolutely everywhere. And that's a lot of what we're trying to do is break down that social pressure because we figured it out. If people are just okay with you not drinking, they don't have to be break dancing and doing a little jig if you say you're not drinking, but just be okay with it. Just go, all right, fair enough. And I think the difference is now because there's more alcohol-free alternatives, it's making it much easier to transition and to still be a part of that group and still looking and sounding and feeling like you're in on the drinking act, but you've just taken the alcohol out. Um, And I think it's a really big barrier to overcome. And it's the thing that trips people up all the time. And that's why it's really important, I think, to have a tribe. The One You Know Beer tribe is amazing because you've just got this group of people who get it. They've been there, they've seen it, they've done it. They're aligned with what you're trying to achieve. And it's really important. And that's why our tribe, actually, the online community, it's just been massive to everything we do because when you step outside of that most people don't understand they don't get it they're not ready to listen so i think it's important that you've got this safe space of people that you can celebrate with you can commiserate yeah. with you can share your struggles with it's a really important factor to the whole alcohol free process i think is the tribe yeah it goes back to the whole cultural thing so what you were, you were mentioned earlier about the kind of workplace culture but also it's completely ingrained in the culture both here in Ireland and in the UK, and I'm sure lots of other places in the world. You, you said earlier about the Thursday night being really big, um, drinking night in in London. Um, certainly, when I was in Australia, it was the Sunday sesh. So you go in a session and you have all day. Like on a Thursday, you're yeah. going after work, but on a Sunday, you have all day, and it's a Sunday sesh. Like you say, when you go in on a Monday, that's you done oh. for the Monday, but then it carries on for a couple of days after that but it really is ingrained in the entire culture so it's it's not just you know it could be work events and and the drinks are paid for so why not you know if you're if you're drinking for free um and everyone else is having a drink as well like i know i've certainly done that where i've i've gone along to work events this would have been um in the past and people just think you're so strange why aren't you drinking you know it's this is all taken care of it's all paid for and it, it wasn't really about that it was what i was doing for myself you know and um so it's this whole yeah it's it's the culture the celebrations the weddings the funerals um the, it does and, the and even just to pick up what you said there's so important like there's this real big push towards mental health in the corporate space isn't there yeah. you know, mindfulness and we're really trying to push it yet what do we do to, to, to bring the, the group together, the company together? We organize, and I don't use this word lightly, a lazy drinks night. It's easy, right? You phone up a venue, you go, right, we want the bar. I'm going to dump all my staff in there. They can have a load to drink and they'll bond. Right? What's that going to do for people's mental health? It's going to destroy it, right? There's going to be people in there feeling pressured in that environment. We know it, 85%, as I mentioned, to drink on a Thursday, knowing that they're going to wake up feeling anxious, tired, not right the following day. Why do that? It's not congruent at all with that message. And I'm not about trying to be like the fun police and stealing the crack. Far from it. But what I will say to those HR professionals and those companies come on you can come up with better ideas than let's just go to the pub and you know have a free bar there's millions more activities you do much more fun things that you can organize with a bit of flat thinking with a bit of planning that will still bring your troops together and not put them in this pressurized situation that's going to unwind all the great work you've been doing in the months previous around mental health and uh, physical well-being by lazy drinks night doesn't make sense yeah and let's not even mention the you know the temptation or the uh 
to to tell people what you really think. So after a few drinks, it makes it a bit easier to, you know, to to tell Jack in sales what you really think of him or to have a word with the boss or to to say something inappropriate, basically, Um, after a few drinks, you think it's, you think you're entitled to do it or you think it's the best idea in the world until you wake up the next day and realize what you've done. Oh, what did I say? Uh, We've all been there, right? I certainly have been there going, I can't even remember what I said, but what on earth happened and it's yeah. That, yeah, horrific and and again you know it's it's almost comical but that is a destroyer of mental health yeah you, know, you start to carry that shame and that regret around with you what is that doing to you right bringing yeah. you internal all the time it's that fear it's this stuff is not aligned with the corporate message of mental health mental well-being it's just not exactly yeah and and it's not even like maybe you didn't even say something inappropriate but it's that fear like you say that you actually carry it around with you and you're a bit paranoid about like oh what did I say what did I do or you know things like that it's it's um it definitely has an impact yeah is there anything else Andy that you would like to share with listeners no only that uh again if you want to check out what we do I'm live a lot of the time on the socials Instagram Facebook one you know beer I've also got a second book that's available on pre-order now called Let's Do This. It's all about motivation, a different way to look at motivation for those people that have struggled in the past to achieve certain goals, whether that's weight loss or going alcohol-free or whatever it is, check it out. Let's Do This. It's available on Amazon now. And my personal stuff is underscore Andy Ramage on um, Instagram and Andy Ramage on LinkedIn, if you want to say hi. Brilliant. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing. So the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? Not drinking. Easy. Simple. So true. (laughs) That was the one thing that that transformed a career that I was struggling with and I was finding very difficult to remain a part of. I stopped drinking. Boom. Everything changed. Yeah. I had an idea you might say that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. for reaffirming my my prejudices, if you like. Um, but no, that's brilliant. That's great. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time today. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. There you have it. That was Andy from One Year No Beer. We spoke about how alcohol is so socially ingrained, especially in Ireland and the UK. We also spoke about the great benefits of giving up alcohol the time, the energy, the money, the health. Andy describes it as like having superpowers, not to mention the well-being and the mental health that you get back from not having that fear. He describes it as you're not giving anything up, but you are gaining something back. So things like the time and energy money that I just mentioned. He described how he built his brokerage business in lunchtime and Fridays when the other firms were drinking. I also loved how he talked about the compounding impact of all of the little changes that we make in our life. So those 1% improvements. And that's something I'm really learning more about because I do tend to take, take these giant leaps in my life. So I'm learning more to embrace the small steps that are required to make those big changes. He also describes about how non-drinkers are often described as being boring. But if you flip it and it's like the boring side of things really is when someone is desperately hung over and that's being boring and staying in bed on a Sunday morning after a bender on a Saturday night. The big challenge is really around that social pressure, but having a tribe of people who are not drinking, who are on the same page as you really, really helps. 
And that's where one year no beer comes in. How long more will I stay alcohol free? I'm not sure. I'm undecided. Um, I'm happy enough for now that I'm not drinking and uh, it's really working well for me. And I hadn't made the connection between success in business and not drinking. I had made a huge connection between weight loss and feeling much fitter, feeling better, having more time back, feeling healthier and feeling more energetic. But I hadn't actually made the connection with my business. Uh, I would like to go back in moderation um but for now i'm happy enough not drinking so that's it well there you have it thanks for listening to the happier at work podcast with Eva o'brien don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast